welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. My name's Chris. And I'm Gary. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> and <laughs> if that doesn't tell you what we're discussing, then <laughs> you haven't seen a gem. It's the most personality you've shown for a long time. Well, thanks. <laughs> That's what you're getting for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> This week's episode, we are discussing Chopping Mall. Um, well, for a very special bonus episode. For a very special bonus episode for Halloween. For Halloween. Classics. Halloween, Halloween classics. classics. That's, the, Thank that's you. the theme. That's the term I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, Halloween classics, Chopping Mall. Um, not much chopping. There is a mall. There is a mall. Not much chopping, though. Kind of Miss Sal's PPI, I feel. There is a fantastic poster for this. Oh, um, the poster. Wonderful. Includes a robot arm <laughs> and limbs in a bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, not much of that's replicated here, not but... Why? quite. Um, this film was released in 1986, and it is the most 1986 film you'll ever see. Very. This film was a result of both the Terminator and slasher films being very popular at this time. Which is surprising because when it was released as Killbots, yeah, it didn't do so well. Yes, so I don't know what people thought Killbots meant, but when it was re-released as Chopping Mall, it did much better. Okay, Chopping Mall is one of the greatest titles ever. It's a great title of all time. It's just this isn't what you expect from Chopping no, Mall. No, it's, no, it's it's technically a slasher film. I was surprised. So I mean, my history is I knew of the scene, the scene, mm. the scene that everyone knows. Um, but I thought it was from a different film because I Chopping Mall. I assumed it was a guy in a mask going around a shopping mall, killing. But I thought it was basically what the initiation is. Um, but no, I, I was not expecting these, uh, robots going around killing people, but you know what? It's films like this to, is as to why we, why we do this podcast, because this is just fucking ridiculous camp fun. And, and two episodes in a row, um, in the way that, I mean, this isn't as bizarre as Killer Clowns from Outer Space. This isn't as out there as Killer Clowns from Outer Space. But I do put two of them in the same category. That sort of just 80s ridiculous fun could be a teen comedy if it wasn't for the horror elements. Um, it's serving cheese. It is. It's, it's, it's cheesy yeah, B-movie fun. It is. It's cheesy B-movie. It's fun. Very Roger Corman. Yeah. So you get your kills and you get your boobs. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, this one's a little more risque than uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, definitely. Could have been a gateway horror if it wasn't for that scene and if it wasn't for the nudity. Yeah. You're very close to being a gateway horror. I don't... See, I find... I suppose I was more aware of Killer Clowns from Outer Space mm. as a gateway horror. This is kind of the slasher film you watch when you've seen all the classic slasher films. Yeah. Really. You know, you go through Friday the 13th and then you figure out if you like slasher films or not. And then you go through the bigger names and you kind of get to Chopping Mall because Barbara Crampton's in it. Yeah. And you remember Barbara Crampton from Reanimator. Whoa, skipping a few segments ahead there. 
Oh, well. Spoiler alert. Sorry. So if, if you'd if you didn't know Barbara Crampton was in Reanimator, then I, I can't help you. Uh this was written and directed by Jim Wynorski. Um he's had quite the career. Are you familiar? Um we have seen one of his other You're films. definitely you're going to throw out some names and be like, yes, I know that one. Oh, I'd be surprised. Two. Deathstalker two. Deathstalker 2. Deathstalker 2. Uh, the Lost Empire, Not of This Earth, Big Bad Mama 2, The Return of Swamp Thing, Transylvania Twist, Hard to Die, Sorority House Massacre 2, Ghoulies 4, The Bear Wench Project 1 to 5, Cheerleader Massacre, <laughs> The Hills Have Thighs, Thighs Not Eyes, okay. uh, Busty Cops Franchise, oh. Scared Topless, Sexy Wives Sensation, a Dog Gone Hollywood, A Dog Gone Adventure, A Dog Gone Christmas, Final Voyage, Fire From Below, and honestly, so many more. He has over 100 films in his filmography, and oddly enough, not a porn director. No. Those are actual films claiming to be comedies. Um, I suppose, well, softcore, I suppose you would yeah. call it, wouldn't you? Um, I recognise names, <laughs> but the originals. So when you, you know, yeah. I've heard of Big Bad Mama. I've never heard of Big Bad Mama 2. No. Um, did he do, I feel he did, hot, um, Scream Queen's Hot Tub Party. He did party. do that as well, yeah. I'm desperate yeah. to watch that he film. He did. Desperate. Do you think it'll be like the Linnea Quigley horror workout? Uh, yes, I hope so. I Fuck, hope we so. should have done that for the bonus episode. We should have, actually. Oh, <laughs> that's so true. It probably would have been about half an hour long, but still. It's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> yeah, actually, in fairness, not much goes on. No. Really. I, we can review it right now. She just slays, does exercises, gets her boobs out, and... Uh, Extras from the kills, thriller music video. Kills a bunch of people, yeah. Dance by a pool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah highly recommended. Uh, Jim Wynoski says Roger Corman took him out to lunch before making the film. Uh, he brought a yellow pad, and after lunch, he said that this he said this here is what you got to do. And he gave me film school in an hour. Everything I learned in film school didn't count, but what he said made a lot of sense, and I still have that yellow pad and live by it to this day. I now have it memorized. Many do's and don'ts, and that's why I'm making such classics as Scared Topless and The Bear Wench Project, parts one to five, and a Dog Gone trilogy. Dog Gone trilogy. Dog Gone Christmas. Now that's definitely on the the watch list. Oh fuck off! I've just realised that title has double meanings. A dog gone and a dog on. Oh wow, genius! Maybe that I I need that yellow pad. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. A, do a dog on adventure. <laughs> a dog on <laughs> That's fucking amazing. <laughs> if that wasn't his intention, then he's accidentally created three of the best titles of all time. Um, and Gary being easily amused is why this podcast exists. It's true. Co-written by Steve Mitchell. Uh, he wrote Against the Law, Jilla... Uh, he wrote and directed King Cohen, The Wild World of Filmmaker Larry Cohen. Uh, and he also wrote episodes of Gem, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Hudson Street, Pacific Blue and Viper. Wow. Um, it's it's uh, it's one hell of a script because it, it does have these self-aware moments that feel ahead of its time. This, this, you know, 
these little in jokes that you'd expect to hear like in films about 10 years later. So there's like stuff like he, they write in characters from a bucket of blood uh, and eating Raul. Uh, and they actually got the actors to play those parts as well. Yeah. One thing about Roger Corman and we've discussed on the podcast that his way of going about things isn't always the best. Uh, yeah. But he delivers what he intends to deliver. The films that he produces deliver what he intends to deliver. Yes. It's never, there's never really any kind of middle ground. Can you think of a Roger Corman film that's like highly rated as a masterpiece? You know, it's kind of, I'm, Roger Corman is going to give you blood and booze. Yeah, hasn't he got a load of random Oscar-nominated films as well under his belt? Like, from a studio that he works for? I'm, I'm, yeah, I suppose... Didn't we discuss it on Humanoids from the Deep? It was the foreign stuff. I think so, yeah. So, it's not the stuff that he produced to make, Mm -hmm. it's the stuff that he got a credit for to distribute in the West. Yeah. So what he produces, so he lays the money down Mm -hmm. for to make a film is going to be blood and guts, cheesy, short, mm-hmm. and you know, it's going to have scantily clad women. In yeah. It. Now his way of going about that has never been the best as we discussed in the uh, mm-hmm. humanoids from the deep episode, but he delivers what he intends to deliver. Yeah. If you like that, if you are entertained mm-hmm. by these kind of films, you know what you're in for. You know what yeah, you're getting. Yeah. Well, Roger Corman is a producer on this film, but mm. and, and usually we don't go into a list of producers, but someone who does deserve credit here is actually Julie Corman, because this was her idea. She is a producer nice. on this film. And her credits, uh, I assume alongside Roger Corman, uh, include Boxcar Bertha, Nightcall Nurses, The Student Teachers, uh, Candy Stripe Nurses, Crazy Mama, uh, The Lady in Red, Saturday the 14th, Saturday the 14th Strikes Back, Sorority House Massacre 2, Silence of the Hams, um, Sharktopus, <laughs> Dino Shark. But um, do you know what you have a tendency to do on the um, when you, you read out what other people have done? You start with the all right ones and you get worse as it goes That's <laughs> part of the design. That's, that's part of the plan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's impressive that Julie Corman did this. I always, you know, we're always happy to hear of women in film. And uh, I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't know she was producing. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, okay. Um, no, I didn't know either. Yeah, so that's, that's really great. It's nice to know that a woman has had some hand in the making mm. of, of these kind of films. And yeah. I hope she had more to say about Humanoids from the Deep. But obviously that's a well, she wasn't episode. credited for that you, one. You can go back and listen to our yeah. episode on that one. Yes. Uh, budget, $800,000. Ridiculously low. Mm. Um, and impressive, considering the effects in this film. Not the CGI. Uh, unknown how much it made, um, but I have got a bit of trivia about it. It was originally released in March 1986, as Chris said, in the Killbots, uh, and performed poorly, uh, and, uh, you know, the early audiences. 
because they might have... The, the reasoning that the trivia gives is that they may have thought that it was based on Transformers. Okay. Or, like, a children's cartoon instead of a violent exploitation film. Uh, and then, of course, it was changed to Chopping Mall with 15 minutes of the film cut. Oh. So I wonder what was in those 15 minutes, because one thing to be said about this film is it's only an hour and 17 minutes long. And it does absolutely everything it needs to do within that hour and 17 minutes. It, what I, and, and I'll discuss it further, but what I found, it did more than it needed to do mm. in those hour and 17 minutes. Yeah. So I wonder what was cut mm. to, from the hour and a half. Uh, probably more robot shit. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I'm assuming it did make money because there were talks of a sequel. Uh-huh. So, and, you know, you don't make sequels to films that don't make some sort of profit. Well. I'm assuming. I was going to leave this to the end of the episode, Ooh, but. Tell us about it. I want to hear about the best film that's never been made. Yeah. So before uh, I was going to do this as a what was next with Jim Wynoski thing, but I've I've told you his whole career. So before we get into um, who's in the film, another thing about Jim Wynoski is one of his next projects, which he was trying to make since 1985, uh, but ultimately never did. Sadly, was action sci-fi horror Prison Planet. Uh, he said in various interviews, uh, like for example, one for Chicago Tribune in 1985. Uh, one for Femme Fatales in 94, how the film would have started as Chained Heat in Space <gasps> and changed into Alien Free, but with all women. Yeah. He even had one of one of the stars of Chained Heat, horror cool trash of a royalty, Sybil Dannon, in yes. mind for a role. <laughs> Screenplay was written and artwork included a poster showing a bunch of girls fighting monsters uh, and was designed very early in pre-production. The story was about female James Bond like a female James Bond like character, played by Sybil Dannon, who poses as a prisoner to learn the truth about terrible things going on inside a prison on a deserted planet, but would then turn into a different kind of film with female prisoners fighting off alien creatures who who want not just to kill them but to, of course, breed with them. Winoski detailed several major sequences from the script typical for his films, such as massive nude shower fights between all the girls, <laughs> another big nude scene with nude girls rolling around between death rays, <laughs> a battle between Earth girls and mutated alien girls, <laughs> out of space brothel, uh, an out of space brothel where some of the plot would take place, and a warden's brain chair which would be used to either give prisoners incredible pleasure or to lobotomize them. Okay. <laughs> However, due to budgetary issues uh, for a great amount of special effects and action that the film would have, backers for the film took a pass on it. Uh, Wynoski said how ambitious the project was and it would have been so much fun to make. It, it would have been so much fun to watch. I mean... It would have been a lot of fun to watch. It does sound like he's taken every thought that he's ever had... <laughs> And just put it all together. <laughs> no, it sounds like he's taken every thought that Roger Corman's ever had. Maybe. And put it all together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sybil Dannon playing a James Bond-like character. I, I'm i here for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping something... She's been in a lot of films. I'm hoping something similar to that already exists. But, I mean... We, we kind of have to go through Sybil Danning's um, filmography. Yeah. Don't we? Definitely. <laughs> But my point is, if that film was made, we would have been discussing that today instead of chopping more. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's very true. So let's find out who's in the film. In a segment we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Very good. Thank you. Kelly Maroney stars as Alison Parks, named after Playboy playmate Alison Parks. Lovely. They love a bit of Playboy in this film, don't they? There's some uh, Playboy underwear. There is. <laughs> and I read in the trivia, Kelly Maroney got the part because the director, Jim Wynarski, wanted to date her. That is And correct. he thought the best way to get a date with her was to give her a role in the film. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that Kelly Maroney turned him down for that date and still kept the role in the film. She is the star of Not of This Earth, Transylvania Twist, uh, Heart to Die, films by uh, Jim Ronofsky. Oh. I don't know what that is says. Is this where you tell me they got married <laughs> and they've lived happily I, I, ever I after? I do not know sits. that. I, do, I, I am not sure. No, I don't think. But she was in a few more of his films. Yeah. So it's either he had his date or he was very persistent. Um, also star of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Night of the Comet, Ryan's Hope, True Blood, The Zero Boys, Slayground, Murder She Wrote, of course, of course, and plenty more. She is an iconic screen queen. She is B-movie queen. Yeah. She, surprisingly, when you go on IMDb, I'm not sure if it's still the same, but her most known film Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It is. Which, or what she's known for is Fast yeah. Times at Ridgemont High. Which I think is doing her a real disservice. Yeah. Because she's led in a lot of films. That's true. And in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, she gets, what, like two minutes of screen time? Yeah. Um, it's her and Pamela Springsteen as the cheerleaders. That's true. That's true. It, um, it... Yeah, which I think is a little unfair. Yeah. Her career's much better than that. Yeah. Um... I can't find any information as to whether or not they are a thing, her and Jim Wynoski. Oh, okay. Um, but I have found an amusing breakdown of his filmography. <laughs> oh, God. His career on Wikipedia is broken down into the following sections. Directorial debut and Roger Corman. Nice. Fred Olin Ray. Oh, yeah. Family films. Lovely. Erotic thrillers. Nice. Roger Corman presents. Sunset films. Action movies. The Bear Wench Projects and parody films, creature films, horror films, and Return to Family films. Well, that's how our Blu-ray collections been divided. Pretty much, isn't pretty it? much. But back to this queen. Um, yeah, she replaced Dana Kimmel, who had been cast on the strength of her performance in Lone Wolf McQuaid. Uh, but Dana did not want to do anything that was sexual, according to uh, according to the uh, director. Um, Jim was very quick to say that, well, she's out. Let's get Kelly because she's pretty much game for anything. Which is really fucking weird because she's actually the only character who doesn't get a tits out. She's the only one that doesn't have sex. Yeah. So I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. She's just a weird one. She's just going around doing a Linda Hamilton impression. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Do love a bit of Kelly Maroney. Tony O'Dell plays Ferdy Mizell. Uh, he was in the Karate Kid one and two, oh. Cobra Kai, of course. Head of the class. Oh, is he in Cobra Kai now. Yeah, well, oh. one episode. Ah. Head of the class, Dynasty, Evils of the Night, Simon and Simon, Suddenly Susan, Falling in Love Again, Good Luck, Miss Wyckoff, <laughs> and many more, including. What did you just say? <laughs> Good Luck, Miss Wankoff. 
Wick Off. Uh, and many more, including Murder, She Wrote. Of course. Rest in peace, Angela Lansbury. Still not over it. Don't no, think I ever will. No. Anything to say about nerdy, nerdy ferdy? Um, no, not really. Classic nerdy type yeah, character. Yeah, he's got glasses. Could have been in any other film playing the same character. He Literally, yeah. Russell Todd plays Rick Stanton. Uh, he was in Another World, Where the Boys Are, High Mountain Rangers, Friday the 13th Part 2. You Club... know who he was in that, don't Who you? was he in Friday the 13th Part 2? The one with the slingshot. Oh, okay. Yeah, the yeah. Um, creepy guy. Yeah. Yeah, the one who slingshots the, the lady's butt cheek. And then just stares at her. Yes. Yeah. Club VR, Sweet Murder, Face the Edge, Border Shootout, He Knows You're, he knows you're Alone. Oh, God, cetera, remember that? Not that one. Apparently, ah. it was another film with the same title. Not the Tom Hanks Not Halloween Tom Hanks one. No. Ooh, well. Unless I've got to rate it on IMDb. Oh. Uh, but no, I think it's, it is a different film. Carrie Emerson stars as Linda Stanton. She was in Evils of the Night. Hang on a minute. Which one was Rick again? Um, Rick was the one married, the married one. Oh, so Linda was his wife. Yes, Linda. Oh was my his god! Wife. For a second, and I thought another character was her brother, and they were all having sex in the same room. No. Uh, evils of <laughs> the night. It's so weird that they're married when these are all meant to be teenagers. It's so weird. I don't think they're, they're meant to be married. teenagers, are they? I don't know. It's the eighties. I, I feel like we were meant to believe they're teenagers. Mm. Um, but they don't work at the mall though, so maybe they're not. Yeah, they don't work at the mall. They just randomly show up. Uh, Evils of the Night, White Dog, The Edge of Night, TJ Hooker, Fantasy Island, The Jeffersons, Dallas, Delta House, and many more. So many of these uh, actors have all been in like popular American TV shows. Yeah, yeah, I suppose there's just an influx of those kind of, and I mean this with all due respect, C-list actors yeah. who will just do one episode, mm -hmm. bit parts. Yeah. And finally, last but certainly not least, the the screen queen herself, the legend that is Barbara Crampton as Susie Lynn. Yeah. We met Barbara Crampton. We certainly did. Lovely, absolutely legend, sweetheart. gorgeous, beautiful, talented. Yeah, she's yeah. the moment. She's got time for everyone. I was trying to remember that Lady Gaga quote, and I can't remember. She's got time for everyone, every every event, and sadly every film recently. Yeah. Um, she's oh. star of From Beyond, Your Next, Reanimator, We Are Still Here, Castle Freak, Robot Wars, Body Double, Puppet Master, Fraternity Vacation, Days of Our Lives, Kidnapped, and so many more. And you know what, it was, um, speaking of your next, it was so good to see, I mean, we're going back like 2013 now, how great is it knowing that she was in like a big theatrically released horror film that's really makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, because she has, she's done, she's done the B-movies, and she's, a lot of the time the best thing about them, yeah. I, re I really do love Barbara Crampton, she's got a lovely charm. Um, so it was nice to see her do something that got a little more attention. Yeah. You know, because it's all cult classics. You know, Reanimator is a cult classic. Mm -hmm. it, I don't think it really set the world on fire at the time. No. Um, as far as I know. But something like um, Your Next mm. like really 
a real buzz about it. Yeah. It really got people yeah. talking, you know, and it was nice to see that because she she is, you know, she's very charming. She's really well in these films. She does. And that's one thing about Barbara Crampton. No matter what you see her in, even if it's like something as shitty as that fucking Carrie rip off watching Fright Fest, which I can't remember the name of. She's always there to bring her A-game. She always does her best. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and for an actress that gets as many roles as she does, that's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple myself. Oh, okay. Nick Seagal yeah. as Greg Williams. Yeah. He was in Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, wow. That, I mean, fuck the rest of his career. That's exactly. all that matters. Uh, John Teleski, who played Mike Brennan. He was Deathstalker in Deathstalker 2. I know I recognised him. I yeah. thought he was the American guy from The Mummy. Um, oh, one of the yeah. explorers. I thought he was one. I thought he was one of those. Same energy. The guy uh, who was in Paranormal Activity four, the dad. I thought it was him. But... Yeah, no, no. Deathstalker and Deathstalker two uh, went on to direct a lot of TV. Okay. Uh, five directed five episodes of Ugly Betty. Nice. No sex in the city from anyone in this cast, which is very disappointing. Very. Wow. Very I surprising, know. actually. I suppose it's the eighties, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and Dick Miller, of course, was in everything. Oh, of course, Dick, <laughs> Dick, Dick Miller has been in every, every single film, film you have ever watched. Oh, Susie Slater as well. She was in Savage Streets and The Las Vegas Serial Killer. Nice. Which Is, is that a... Nutbag? No, Las Vegas Serial Killer is the uh, Ray Dennis Steckler oh, okay. film. So we, we own that. Yeah. Um, it's a film that's been following me. Oh my god! Lot, like yeah, the police about that. Exactly. It's you know in the most random places it comes up Las Vegas serial killer, so I, I think it's a um a sign that we need to watch it, watch it immediately soon. With it's like three on uh, IMDb. <laughs> it's now time for our feature presentation. They broke into the mall for the wildest all night party of their lives. They're dead meat. But you're never alone. In the chopping mall. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. So, Park Plaza Mall. Um, new shoes, about to school. <laughs> Denim. Hello, cats. <laughs> If, if no one knows what we're talking about, then you've lived a shattered life. <laughs> what was the name of the mall? Um, oh, East Hill for back to school. Oh, fuck it. Do you know what? It's a treat. It's a bonus episode. I'll edit it in here. Ladies and gentlemen, the East Hills back to school <laughs> fucking advertisement. East And pants and boots and pants. New shoes. Get yourself an outfit. Denim. Boots and pants and boots and pants. Haircut. New shoes. So get yourself back to school with these tails. Haircut. Park Plaza. Are you allowed to do that? Well, we haven't been sued yet. Park Plaza Mall. <laughs> um, okay, if the East Hills want to sue us, Check your advertisement first. Uh, second of all, please don't. 
Park Plaza Mall has just installed a state-of-the-art security system, including shutters across all exits and free high-tech robots programmed to disable and apprehend thieves using tasers and tranquilizer guns. Um, the film was allowed to shoot at a real California mall as long as they did not damage any facilities and had removed any traces of their presence before the opening time of 9am. Whilst the mall's head of security didn't like the filmmakers, and I and I emphasise, he fucking hated the filmmakers for some reason. Uh, and was constantly accusing them of causing disrepair. The mall's owner was supportive of the film and made sure the production was able to complete its work on schedule. But honestly, I mean, the head of security could have murdered all of them. He fucking hated them. I saw in the goofs on IMDb, and I, I promise we do more research than just IMDb, but it... The juiciest stuff is on IMDb. On the goofs, it says that you can see people in the background quite regularly. It's probably the fucking head of security. I mean, it might be. <laughs> I didn't notice. No, I didn't it notice. Kind of, it suggested that it was a, a goof throughout the whole film. <laughs> but I didn't notice anyone in the background. There's a fucking head of security. That's like Michael Myers in the background. Be, might be. <laughs> Uh, a beefcake thug steals some jewellery. Beefcake? He was ripped. He was fucking ripped. Oh my God, he looked like he'd been dead for five weeks and dug up. Did you not see his muscles? His face may have looked like that, but he honestly, he looked like he was preparing for that role. He, he, he smashed that window yeah, with his own hands. He did smash that window. <laughs> he was very pale though, I think. He was very pale, but he, he was fucking ripped. Uh, so were his jeans, and they were. It, it was the 80s. an odd combination. That those jeans and that hoodie um, wasn't very intimidating. <laughs> but one of the robots spots him, chases him, attaches a wire to him, which gives him some sort of shock, which knocks him out, and we get the end already. Yeah, yeah, and that's the end of the film. Really, <laughs> really well done. Um, no. It's these robots, security, are being demonstrated to the store owners in Park Plaza Mall. Yes, it's a commercial. It's a commercial. And they, um, very glamorous uh, ladies, don't they? They're uh, giving me showgirls. Yes. And they're dancing on top of the boat. And, um, <laughs> they pull off, uh, um, oh my God, what is the word? The, the, the thing made of material, like a cloth. Sheet. Cloth, sheet. sheet. Pull off a sheet and three robots are revealed. Yes. An equally glamorous woman who's dressed for business. Oh, she is a queen. But hasn't, hasn't uh, sacrificed an ounce of femininity. No, she has not. She explains that these robots are being installed. I, I find it a bit confusing, though, because seemingly they're being installed the day of this demonstration, which doesn't give them a lot of time no. to get everything together. But anyway, um, two shady bitches on the front row. They're not too convinced, are they? Two shady bitches, actual characters in a bizarre series of events, actual characters, Paul and Mary from Eating Raoul. Yeah. Now, I've not seen Eating Raoul, but just from looking at the plot of the film, their little injuries are hilarious. Yeah, and um, that's Paul Bartel and Mary Warrenoff. Yeah. Well, Mary Warrenoff, um, well, both of them previously... In the podcast film, um, Rock and Roll High, School. Roll High School. The previous Roger Corman. Yeah, absolute film. legends. Mary Warrenoff gives Countess Luan energy. <laughs> I love her. I think she's fantastic. Um, Paul Bartel as well. Desperate to see Eating Raoul. Um, it's right next to me, so that's yeah. another one on the watch list. 
Um, but yeah, hilarious. And apparently they ad-libbed a lot of it. Wow, I mean, that's impressive. They they discuss how the robots look like the Three Stooges. Yeah. They wonder if they can kill cockroaches. <laughs> Paul wants some for the restaurant. <laughs> and apparently the robots remind him of Mary's mother because of the laser eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Stan Simon uh, explains that the robots can only neutralise criminals rather than killing them. Mm. And he tells us absolutely nothing can go wrong before we launch into the opening titles, along mm. with the extremely 80s and extremely catchy synth soundtrack and footage of people shopping in the mall. Very 80s mall montage. Yeah. We've got skateboards indoors. We've got glamorous beauty queens in bikinis. And one poor Sally Webster lookalike who's just trying to serve some food. <laughs> Everyone keeps getting in her way. And she does eventually drop it in the end. <laughs> Very, very sad ending. Um, Alison and Susie. Oh my god. Okay, this film. I, I almost feel like this is a fucking direct Terminator parody at this point. She's a fucking waitress, isn't she? She's a waitress, and she's also a waitress at a pizzeria. Yeah. Which is giving um what with her best friend where they talk about sex a lot. Yeah. That's the, the, the Bridgemont High. Well, yeah. The yeah. house down boots. Yeah. But also the Terminator was what, a year before this, was it? Two years. Ah, uh, well, there we go. Two yeah. years. The, it had its time to make its impact. Yeah. There, yeah. There's some scenes in the third act of this which are unmistakably Terminator ripoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, And as much as I love this film, it did just make me really want to watch the Terminator instead. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is very true. But Alison and Susie, Kelly Maroney and Barbara Crampton... Uh, they're working at the pizzeria and they're introduced as they're about to serve a slimy man whilst being yelled at by their slimy boss. Um, and yeah, they're, they're planning on joining their boyfriends, Greg and uh, Mike. Mike? Isn't it? Yeah. No, 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 no. So um, Susie's boyfriend is Greg. Greg, yeah. They're setting oh, Ferdy, Alison Ferdy, up Ferdy, yeah. with Fergie. Ferdy. Yeah. G. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. So, Queens, not a fan of the fat shaming, though. No. Um, Susie does say that orca washes up here every night. Um, he's in the credits known as Big Eater as well. I mean, they kind of make out that he's a pervert. I'd hate to think that's entirely because he's overweight. Yeah, that's um, not an excuse, you know. It's the meme, isn't it, where, you know, very if it's a very handsome guy was acting in the same way, yes. would they be saying, ew, that yeah. orca washes up very, every night? Very 80s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're planning on attending with other couples, Rick and Linda and Mike and Leslie, uh, for an after-hours party in the furniture store where, they, uh, where the boys work. Where the boys work. The boys are all there. <laughs> Is that a song? Where the boys work. Um, yeah, party... Barely. I don't think. <laughs> Orgy? Yeah. Not far off. Not far it's off. very close. <laughs> Outside, a lightning storm strikes the mall several times and damages the computer control in protectors one, two, and three. It's giving short circuit. Yes, it's very short circuit. Um, protectors are the robots, just in case. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they malfunction... And they kill a technician who is reading a lads mag. 
Yeah, he's he's enjoying the centerfold, isn't he? He is. He but he's just sitting there smiling at it. It's really, really weird. Um the protector that kills him reaches its arm through the mag and punches a small hole in his neck that kills him. Yeah. That's what you get for looking at dirty things at work. The special events crew uh, actually built five remote controlled robots to serve as the protector kill bot. $800,000 budget, might I remind you. Very impressive. Um, Three were required for the scenes of the robots together in the first half of the film with two extras as backups in the event that the originals were damaged during any of the action sequences. In order to keep the robots looking realistic with the budget that they had, they were constructed out of such items as wheelchair frames and pieces of conveyor belt. Uh, excluding shooting laser beams, most of what the killbots are, are seen doing on screen were the results of the effects crew operating them through remote control. They're actually really impressive. That's so cool. Actually really, really, really cool. impressive. They look good. They yeah. don't look cheap and, and shiny. You would never guess that they're made out of wheelchair frames and conveyor no, belts. No. That's ridiculous. So good. Yeah, very, very, very handy. We get the party. Mike, Mike, Greg, and Ferdy. Uh, well, no, we don't. We, should we do shortly? They're discussing the party. They're discussing the party. Ferdy, because in any eighties film, <laughs> yeah, they have to before discuss you it. have the party, <laughs> you have to discuss it at length. <laughs> at length. Ferdy informs him that if his uncle finds out about him doing this, he is dead. And Mike mocks him, to which Greg says, "You know, Brennan, you're becoming a real candidate for prickhood." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like any good 80s film, Mike is the douche, Ferdy is the nerd, and Greg is the level-headed one. Yeah. Um, all three, I think, look like different variants of James Spader. They, they do. They're all very yuppie. They've got shirts and ties. All three have the same haircut. Yeah. That James Spader... I've, I've nicknamed it the Spaderverse. <laughs> They're all multiverse James Spaders. And um, it kind of, even the, the guy who joins them, whose name I can't remember, he has the same haircut. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, it's not quite a mullet, but it's like no. quaffed back. Yeah. And there's lots of volume to it. There is. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they almost Maybe go to it's the Maybelline. same hairdresser. Definitely. Um, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> maybe it's Maybelline. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Mike, uh... Mike gives his girlfriend Leslie a grope from behind. Uh, she calls him a horny bastard. And her dad walks over to them and asks what he's so excited about. Uh, and they say... Oh, did you, did you miss... Sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I thought this was very funny. Uh, the other variant of James Spader, mm -hmm. Rick Stanton, did you get him and his wife? That was after this. Is it after this? But yeah, what did it say? Oh, um, can't have been after this. You sure? Because I wouldn't have written it that way. I number my notes. No, joking. Uh, <laughs> well, him and his wife, Linda, they tear gender constructs apart when Linda fixes the engine of their truck. <laughs> yeah, Linda really deserved better in this film. She's a queen. She's she, queen. she was. She was, you know, she wore the pants in that yeah. relationship. And she had no qualms in reminding everyone that she wore the uh -huh. pants in that relationship. I do apologise for interrupting. Yeah, no, if that's, I that's, did get that it's, wrong it's not very else. exciting anyway. Um, Susie's setting Alison up on a blind date with someone, and uh, we don't know who yet. Well, we didn't, it was obviously Ferdy. Uh, she promises that he has a great personality. Are you saying Ferdy? Yeah. Oh. 
That's his name. I know. <laughs> Are we just going to refer to him as Fergie? Yeah, that's what I, I he thought. He doesn't this... sing the national anthem in this. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> no, I have done Dan as Fergie. <laughs> but at times I did hear Fendi or Fergie. Um, another one of the technicians come, comes... Oh, back... do you know what confused me with that scene? Which one? Um, Alison and Susie. Oh, yeah. They're in a locker room. Mm-hmm. Why would they have a locker room? But like a proper like showers. I think they do. I swear it's not the first time. Room. I swear this isn't the first time I've seen this in an American film. I just I found it weird that they'd have those facilities mm. for more staff. Um, I just thought it was a reason for some background TNA. To probably, be fair, yeah. probably. Yeah, I just found that a bit. I got oh. Uh, another one of the technicians comes back to the room where his colleague was murdered. Can't find him and starts reading the book. Yeah, played by Garrett Graham from uh, Phantom of the Paradise. Oh. Played Meat. One of the protectors stabs him in the back of the neck and kills him. Oh, no. The mall is closed for the night and the teens begin partying, including yeah. Susie and whatever the fuck she's doing. That dance gives uh, Crispin Glover a run for his money. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. It doesn't quite fit the song being played. Streetwalking by Sylvia St. James. Streetwalking by <laughs> Sylvia St. James. <laughs> Sylvia St. James is an amazing drag queen name. <laughs> I was a little confused though. I thought streetwalking meant prostitution. It probably did. Sex, po sex work a positive song in Absolutely. the 80s. Absolutely. You go, you know, I've got no issues with that. Susie's dancing doesn't quite fit. No, though, she's jumping it. around. She's dancing, yeah, she's dancing to the Pointer Sisters. <laughs> um, Susie and Greg tell Ferdy he needs to shake up his image and get rid of those glasses before introducing him to Alison. But mm. it doesn't have to change his image because they immediately fall in love. They do. They Within do. seconds. Despite him having anxieties in the bathroom because he's a nerd <laughs> and members of the opposite sex scare him, mm -hmm. he and Alison hit it off, find true love straight away. Yeah. Um, in a bizarre series of events, the couples begin to have sex rather close to each other. I mean, they're in a fucking massive mall. Um, but yeah. they decide to all have sex in the same bed shop. Well, <laughs> technically, I mean, two of them are in beds and then one of them's on the sofa. Yeah. But they're all kind of within five metres of each other, mm -hmm. which is very strange. And then also close by is Alison and Ferdy watching the TV. Could you imagine going to buy a bed the next day? And it's just fucking... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Added surprise. Okay. Um, Greg tells Susie she smells like pepperoni, but he likes pepperoni, so she starts stripping for him whilst humming a song. <laughs> yeah. Good old Barbara Crampton. Um, yeah. Alison is now dressed like Linda Hamilton in The Terminator. S exact same outfit from the second half of that film. The wig's there as well. <laughs> uh, and Ferdy, the two of them, they're massive fucking nerds, so they're not having sex, but instead they are watching Roger Corman's Attack of the Crab Monsters. <laughs> Yeah. Alison's scared by the smallest jump scare and Ferdy feels bad because he could have warned her because he's seen it so many times so many times he loves <laughs> Attack of the Crab Monster <laughs> um, we get Dick Miller oh well before we get that oh. we get some great dialogue from Susie oh do we Barbara Crampton 
Oh she God! Say? Oh God! You're the king! You're the king! Oh yeah! <laughs> and Alison and Ferdy start kissing. Yes, they do. A they very do kiss. weird kiss. Yeah. I don't think they're actually kissing. They, d yeah. I suppose they're nerds in love, aren't they? Um, we get Dick Miller. Yeah, that's an interesting name. Uh, he's mopping the floor with the filthiest mop water <laughs> I've ever seen. It's disgusting. He's playing his character from Bucket of Blood. Yeah. Um, I said more like Bucket of Melted Ice Cream. It's really yeah. vile. Um, he's quite quickly electrocuted by one of the he robots. Is. He is. If anyone's familiar with Dead Meat, um, they've actually used a bit of his dialogue in their intro. Oh, yeah, they yeah. have. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's is really it, cool. Is their intro? I feel like it's shorter now. I feel like it may have been an old intro. It may have been. There's loads of... I mean, mm, I think there's different versions of it, but yeah, it was in there. Anyway. Yeah, it was in Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, Lost Boys. Yeah, loved it, mate. Um, yeah, Walter Paisley from Bucket of Blood. We barely knew thee. We barely, um, we barely knew thee. <laughs> I love how before he gets murdered, his colleagues mock him for doing his job. <laughs> like, oh, what fucking loser is mopping the fucking floor? Yeah. Whoa, fucking janitor doing his job. <laughs> I was like, I'll be out in ten minutes, <laughs> which is confusing because. I felt like they were the ones that were locking up the mall. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, the mall... And, and later on, at, towards the end of the party, they're saying, oh, we're going to go in ten minutes. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Electrocuted. Sorry, I'm overanalyzing chopping mall. Electro I apologise. <laughs> Electrocuted with some awful CGI, and we get the first, thank you, have a nice day, from the protectors. Yeah. That's what they're called. Is that what they're called? Yeah. I just got... I just... Um, just a disclaimer? Yeah. Um, I just called them the robots. In a camp series of events, Mike goes to purchase a pack of Virgin Lights for Leslie because she will not smoke anything else other well, than Virgin Lights. She's specific... Well, yeah, she won't smoke anything but Virgin Lights. He offers her camels, though. Yeah. She says... No, not camels. I don't smoke anything but virgin lights. <laughs> he then walks outside where there's an advertisement for camels. <laughs> which I found very confusing. Yeah, some great product placement in this film. Yeah, I suppose you can't not do that when you're in a true. real mall. I don't know what the legalities of that are. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if McDonald's knew they were in the background of a killer robot. Yeah. Um, murdering someone. Um, yeah, so he goes to get the Virgin Lights. Um, do you think this would have... You know how Sex and the City influenced what you smoked when you were younger? Do you think this... If you watched this at the same time... Or did you? Did did you smoke Virgin Lights because of Chicken uh, Virgin Lights are American. Ah, uh, You didn't have that here, no. Um... <laughs> can, you, can you not tell everyone <laughs> that I smoked Marlboro Lights simply because... You're the one saying the brand, and you're saying the character. I didn't say that. I, I was very vague. Protective One attacks him and slashes his throat. Yeah, he, well, he knocks him out, doesn't he, mm -hmm. to start with. Um, one thing is he can't get out the fire exit because he's chained up. Mm -hmm. um, legally, that should never happen, no. ever. Um, so, 
you know, I'm just, I, I don't know, there were lots of goofs that I found really interesting for this film. Uh, yeah, it knocks him out. Leslie goes to investigate. Mm -hmm. In a Playboy underwear. In a Playboy underwear. Iconic scene. Um, she finds Mike with his throat slit. And upon trying to run away, gets shot in the fucking head. Yeah. And her head explodes. Yeah. This is a fantastic head explosion. Again, I need to remind you, $800,000. Yeah. $800,000. This is a very... This is one of the most impressive head explosions of film. Yeah. This is the most memorable death scene in the film. Yes. And, let's be honest, the most memorable part of the film. Yeah, it's the only thing I knew about it before yeah. watching it. It's uh, famous, this scene. It really is. I, I even questioned back in the day if it was for a real film or if it was for, like, fucking a fake like trailer or yeah. you know a lost film or something like that because it just seemed so weird that these robots who kind of look like they're from a children's fucking sci-fi film let's let's face it they're, they're not really big and intimidating no and then just all of a sudden just fucking blows their head off it's so out of nowhere it's so great yeah it, it's it, it's a it, it kind of feels in keeping with the film but like really out of place because a lot of the other kills aren't as over the top. No. I suppose when you're on a budget, yeah, not everyone is going to be, you know, an over the top kill. So if you could have one yeah. that, you know, people talk about, then it gets butts in seats, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the others witness this and they're just like, they, they look at Protector and like, yeah, serve, bitch. Fucking make those heads explode. Not quite. They they witness the murder and they barricade themselves in the stock room. The women uh, attempt to escape through an air vent. Susie, who says, they know we're here. They're trying to French fry us. Yeah. He starts panicking uh, and they exit the vent system into an automotive shop, arming themselves with gasoline and flares. Well, that's not necessarily true. No? No. Alison takes a flare and puts it down her shirt. Well, yeah. But does it sneakily so no one else sees? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of flares there. <laughs> there's a lot of flares there. So we know this is, you know, because we've watched a few films in our time, we know this is going to come in handy later, yes. this flare. Why is she hiding this flare <laughs> from everyone else? It's never explained. No, it's, it is a bit weird. Um, Barbara Crampton is... Clearly the Veronica Cartwright of this film. Yes. There always has to be one. It's always a woman, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Oh, God. You do it better than me. Do no, it. God. Oh, God. You know, that that character. Um, yeah, she, she's starting to have a meltdown, isn't she? Yes. She's fearing for a, a boyfriend, whatever his name is. Greg. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The men. <laughs> men. The men. The men. They break into a sporting goods store they to do. arm themselves with firearms and then they walk around in sync. This is meant to look masculine, but this is fucking camp as tits. Yeah, they've got <laughs> guns and gasoline tanks. And I've put down what in the yuppie dawn of the dead is going on here. <laughs> the robots shoot like stormtroopers. Considering yeah. the first shot <laughs> from a robot was a direct 
head explosion. Yeah, for someone running as well. From someone. <laughs> and now the guys are just fucking standing there. <laughs> and then the, let's be honest, lame CGI lasers are like, <laughs> go nowhere near. <laughs> they use a gasoline tank and a gun to destroy one of the robots. Yeah. I think. Because seemingly destroy seemingly, Protector 1. Seemingly. Um, yeah, it's it's high it's high camp. It is. They're all giving um flyboy energy, aren't they? Yeah. In their shirts and, and uh khaki trousers. I just could not get over I could not take that scene seriously after they all walked in sync with each other. Yeah. Like they're a fucking boy band. It was ridiculous. Even Ferdy the nerd, for yeah. fuck's sake. <laughs> And then, like you said, they all have the same hair as well, which makes it even funnier. Yeah, but the, I, I suppose you know maybe I'm looking too much into it. But why? Why is it the woman, the the Barbara Crampton Susie character, that's like, oh, when you've got a fucking nerd there who's been well established as a nerd, but and he's looking coming out like Rambo. Let's not forget though, there is some self-aware humour in here. So how much of that was yeah. intentional? I don't know. Yeah, I suppose you could look at Susie as a comedy character from this point. Even the men. I mean, they look like yeah. they're showing up like, hello. Free tickets for the new James Spader film, please. Yeah. Okay. Spaderverse in full effect. Uh, whilst the men set up at the elevator as a booby trap, um, the Killbots ambush the women and ignite Susie by shooting her gasoline can, burning her alive. Oh. And you know what? Although uh, Leslie's death was the best death of the film by far, this is also a really good death. Um, poor Barbara Crampton. Well... She's a bit of a wimp, but... Poor Barbara Crampton stunt double. <laughs> that wig. Wig. Linda and Alison don't give a shit. Um... <laughs> oh, yeah, this... Don't, don't get... Don't I don't get know what wrong. they were watching, but they weren't watching Barbara Crampton dying. Only... <laughs> Susie is the only character that's fully mourned in this film by Greg. And no one else. No one else. No one else gets mourned. Uh, for more than 10 seconds. But throughout this, whilst Susie's being a wimp, Linda is fast thinking, she's telling everyone what to do, she is fucking serving, and she is the brains behind them getting this far. She, you know, she is, you know. Alison's sneaking around, being you know. torn apart. Greg unsuccessfully shoots uh, the protectors before Rick drags him away. The teenagers regroup and rig the elevator trap on um, Protector 2, destroying it with uh, a shot from uh, from Allison. Um, and then Ferdy... Great <laughs> shot. Ferdy says to nice shot. Now, this is a, an ongoing thing throughout the film. They keep saying nice shot to each other. Um, and she says, my dad's a Marine. <laughs> so? Right. <laughs> Like, just because your dad's a marine means you are too. What the fuck? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't realise it was hereditary. Um, what I also didn't realise is this would be the only character development we get <laughs> for anyone. The writer was clearly like, shit, why was she a good shot? Oh, her dad's a marine. Dad's a marine, yeah. Uh, they then hide in a restaurant. No. <laughs> I like to shoot people outside of work. They hide in uh, Alison's restaurant where she works. Um, inside, Greg confronts Alison and Linda about leaving the air ducts and exhibits rage uh, due to range even due yeah. to Susie's death, uh, and then pulls his gun on Ferdy 
when he intervenes on Alison and Linda's behalf. Yeah, I suppose this is film. It's only an hour and 17 minutes. Originally an hour and a half, but an hour and 17 minutes on a low budget. Yeah. So we're going to have to have these forced minor character mm-hmm. development moments to help with the runtime to you know help with the budget constraints um did you get linda channeling her inner stephen hawking no at this moment she somehow pulls out a calculator and cal- oh yeah she did and calculates. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where her figures have come from i'm not really sure where she's pulled these numbers oh my god from. But she calculates they'll be stuck in the mall for 85 years. So fucking funny. I don't know why I didn't notice that. It's so funny. I don't know why she's talking shit. No. How long they're going to be in there for. We have a fucking calculator. This, this is... <laughs> but it's it's a weird way of giving someone a character. But just to, like, not use it. Like, mm-hmm. oh... So when she dies, it oh, poor Linda. She was so clever. Like... <laughs> But what does that even mean? Where does she get these numbers from? <laughs> Ferdy uh, suggests destroying the Killbot's main control centre in hopes of shutting them all down. And uh, <laughs> Greg's like, oh yeah? Fucking great idea! Fuck the control centre or some shit like that. What the fuck are you talking about? Just do it. Some shit, yeah. And he's, <laughs> well, he does, actually. He's like, let's get this party going. <laughs> He runs off by himself up the escalator and he gets thrown to his death yeah. straight away. So you get Greg having this meltdown. He's like, <laughs> oh, oh, Susie, oh, Susie, I miss her so. Mm. Um, you're like, oh, okay, Greg, you know, we're really feeling for Greg now. Mm-hmm. He's lost the love of his life. You know, I'm really invested in his journey. His journey up the fucking escalator, off the fucking escalator. <laughs> yeah. Breaks his neck. See you later, Greg. I mean, it's just hilarious that a fucking robot throws him to his death, which yeah. is so funny. Uh, when the stunt crew was setting up this scene, uh, director Jim Minoski volunteered to try to stunt himself as long as they set him up from the second level. Uh, he completed it successfully, but found out he'd broken a rib in the process. Uh, Minoski did not tell anyone he'd gotten hurt, and no one found out about it uh, during the remaining production time. Oh. What a hero. What a hero? <laughs> It was all to impress Kelly Maroney. It was, probably was, to be fair. So hey, lot, I broke my rib. Look what I did. Uh, on the run, the four remaining survivors, Alison, Ferdy, Rick and Linda, also find the first robot recovered after its early defeat. It's back. Isn't that, isn't that an average tribute band? <laughs> yeah. It's back. Protector 1's back. But Protector 1 is back. So they decide to use mannequins they do. to confuse and then shoot the robots... Which leads to one of the robots malfunctioning and then shooting aimlessly with bad CGI, which manages to shoot and kill Linda, yeah. who's just fannying around. <laughs> like, she's just fucking yeah. stood there. Like, she's why gone from being there? this strong, yeah. calculating hours character, <laughs> the scientist character, exactly. to just being randomly killed for just no randomly reason. Killed. She's just kind of standing there. And this robot's malfunctioning and shooting, shooting, shooting. Mm-hmm. She gets shot. She dies. And I'm pretty sure one of the guys was shot earlier and in, in, in nothing happened. Um, or it was just the, the CGI was a bit skewer. Um, Rick then drives into the robot <laughs> for some reason. Killing, 
it with a cop. Is it cop? Yeah. Uh, killing himself and destroying the robots. Yeah. In the process. Um. Yeah. Fucking stupid scene. It is. <laughs> it's really, really <laughs> stupid. It's it's kind of like oh well, we need to kill these two off, but you know the budget isn't <laughs> really. We can't have two separate scenes, so let's just do it all together. But now that they're out of the way, we are in the Terminator zone. We are the two nerds have survived. They're the last ones. Protector One is marked as the final robot, cornering Allison. Birdie rescues her and shoots it point blank. Uh, yeah. Did you not think this was a really pointless scene? Yeah. So, Alison <laughs> says, oh, we should probably split up. So, they split up. They they separate. They both walk suspiciously and aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Alison without any kind of weapon. But, yeah. You know, Birdie has the gun. Uh-huh. The gun that it's been established doesn't really work on the robots. Um... They just... Alison screams when she's cornered. Mm -hmm. Birdie hears it and then runs to her. Yeah. So, I know you're making up run time, but bitch, don't waste my time. Mm -hmm. Why am I watching them suspiciously and slowly walking around? (laughs) (laughs) Just get to the point. Just make the film an hour. It's fine. Um, Birdie is seemingly killed protecting Alison. Um, Alison hides in a pet store. Yeah, she has an injured leg now. Even more like the Terminator. She hides in a pet store where the snakes and tarantulas are loose and, of course, migrate straight towards her. Uh, (laughs) Someone throws a bird at her. Let's let's not make any mistakes in. Well, the funny thing is, obviously, she's hiding and she can't scream. It's very Emily Blunt in Quiet Place, (laughs) uh, giving birth in a bathtub. Um, she can't scream or the robot's going to hear her and she's got these tarantulas and snakes on her. What I liked is Kelly Maroney very clearly did not agree to have real tarantulas or snakes anywhere near her. Good for her. I would be the same. Uh Um, So when she's brushing them off, these plastic spiders (laughs) licking off her body... As she's leaving, because the robot's gone, because she didn't scream, um, someone throws a parrot at her from yeah. off screen. <laughs> so then she does scream. <laughs> so then we get a lengthy chase scene, our final chase scene. Yeah, um, the score is now sounding like a remixed 2003 ringtone version of the Terminator theme. Yeah. <laughs> um, involving her ending up hanging off... The, the the side of one mm. of the um levels. Yeah. Um and her stunt double wig <laughs> for falling into a canopy. Actually, no wig. Kelly Maroney did her own stunts. What, even the fall? I, she did her own stunts. No. It's in the trivia. Good for her. Yeah. Then why does it look like a wig? It looks like a wig the whole fucking film. A little bit. <laughs> Yeah, she... I mean, in the 80s, that was all the rage. It was. She, yeah. she brings out the paint and thinners. Yeah, she she does. So she eventually ends up luring the robot into a paint store where she spills a load of the paint and throws the flare she conveniently hid earlier. <laughs> so number one, is this not the ending of Savage Street? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. Number two, wait, 
is it that easy? <laughs> like, there were literally dozens of flares in that hardware mm-hmm. store and loads of paint. Yeah. They had gasoline canisters earlier. Mm-hmm. If it was just as easy to throw some paint on the robot or some gasoline and then throw the flare, mm-hmm. why did they not do that? Why? See, I think she was in on it. I think Aniston was a robot. Queen of the robots. Because why would she be so secretive? Because her dad's a marine. About flare. <laughs> like, no one's going to say, oh, you're not allowed that. Her dad's a marine. But I don't get it. I don't well, get it. You know what they say? Girls that keep secrets don't get custard on their dessert. That's very true. God. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Ooh. Preview of upcoming episode Halloween ends. Halloween. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she tosses a flare into the store, ignites the, ignites the chemicals, and finally destroys Protector One after saying, Hey, have a nice day. It's a great, you know, it's a great moment. It's a great final it is girl moment. Fucking camp with a it capital is. C. It's very camp. It's giving Sarah Connor the house down boots. Um, it's just in my brain because this is how my brain works. And when we're discussing it on the podcast, all I could think of was, "Wow, she could have done that so much earlier and saved so many lives." Of course, but then we wouldn't have a lovely, <laughs> entertaining Halloween classic. To discuss. Very true. As daylight appears, Alison leaves the store and Ferdy awakens. <gasps> the two remain the only survivors and we get sitcom-style end credits. Is he stopping the bleeding on his head with a toilet roll? Maybe. I think it was. And in a post credit scene, a fourth unknown protector says its catchphrase, have a nice day one last time. <gasps> and I'm really surprised it didn't get a sequel. I'm surprised it didn't get a sequel. Chopping Mall 2. It's not too late for a requel. Kelly Maroney. Good gracious. Give, give her a good role. She was in fucking Scare Package 2, poor thing. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see... I mean, I can't even call it a requel because there's only one film. I would love to see a modern Chopping Mall sequel. It, it would be amazing. Do you, do you want to hear the issue with that? What? No one goes to the mall anymore. Of course they do. They do it during Black Friday sales. That's just Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but no one, no one really goes to the mall anymore, do they? It's I'm not, sure they do in America. It's not. I mean, could you imagine it at the uh, Arndale? But that's even more of a reason. If it's deserted, if it's quiet, then they'll have more of an excuse to stay in there without being caught. I suppose so. Uh, but yeah, Chopping Mall, so much fun. So you're talking about the, the initiation. Yeah, basically. <laughs> With Kelly Maroney in the lead. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. I love Chopping Mall. It is just such a short film but so much camp ridiculous hilarious fun yeah yeah it, it is perfect for this time of year. it's something i may be guilty of a little on this podcast um where i overanalyze something so I, i've brought up a few faults that i noticed on the way some illogical moments which is fine it's a fucking it's, it's 80s it's cheesy fine. slasher <laughs> You know, I bring them up because they're funny, not because I particularly care. You know, it's just a fun film. Yeah. It's a fun film. It's a popcorn film. It's a throw it on. You don't really have to think about it unless you're discussing it on the podcast, um, which you don't need to do now because we've already done that for you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. 
it's it's cool. It's just a cool eighties horror flick. Yeah. Let's get to the awards. Ooh. Biggest queen, I have a tie. <gasps> it's a tie. I have Alison for her inherited marine skills and Linda for being a fast thinking queen. Yeah, I got Alison for her Sarah Connor impression. Uh, Leslie for being campus tits. Yeah. Let's give it to yeah. her. And Mary Warrenov for just being there. Just being herself. Yeah. Uh, biggest gasp. Is there any other option? No. Of course, it's the head explosion. It's the head exploding. It's Les Leslie's head. Best dialogue. I have. You know, Brennan, you're becoming a real candidate for prickhood. <laughs> I. That's a good one, though. That is funny. But I knew you'd go with that, so I went with Leslie's. When I'm happy, everybody's happy. <laughs> uh, and I have a tie for that's camp as well. <laughs> I mean, I could have gone with the whole film, but I went with Susie's Dance to Street Walking by Sylvia St. James. Yeah. And Alison yelling, hey, have a nice day before destroying a robot whilst dressed like she's going to a Halloween party as Linda Hamilton from the first half, <laughs> from the second half of the first Terminator. I uh, I got Barbara Crampton's humming strip. Oh, well, yeah, that, that is camp. <laughs> yeah. That is very camp. Um, the police are out for our choices. Yeah. The sounds of it. We don't fear that. Um, ratings, I give it 8 packs of Virgin Light out of 10. <laughs> I give it 7 flares hidden down your top out of 10. No I... Playboy underwear, wow, I'm surprised. Playboy underwear. I thought you were going to give it 7 Playboy knickers. Is there a song Playboy underwear in? Playboy underwear. Are you thinking of Christmas on the Square with thermal underwear? No, Playboy underwear. <laughs> oh my god, it might be. Is there a song, Playboy underwear? No. Or am I thinking thermal underwear? I think you're thinking of Christmas on the Square. Or am I thinking Elizabeth window. Taylor perfume from uh, Mysterious Girl? Playboy, Playboy underwear. I'll investigate. Masterpiece, trash piece, trash or basic. I have none of the above. It's just can't be movie fun. Yeah, it can't be movie fern. Um, I suppose you'd call it a mild trash to piece because it's trashy. Yeah, so by design. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's somewhere in between all of it. Yeah, just cheesy camp fern. It's available on Prime, Amazon Prime, and Video on Demand. Ooh. If you're in America, it's available on Blu-ray. We are not so fortunate what here. What Blu-ray? Uh, Vestrum. Ah, oh, okay, Vestrum. Uh, and if you enjoyed the, if you enjoyed this film, I recommend doing a double bill of the initiation and the Terminator. If you enjoyed this film, I say you should check out Intruder. Yeah. Um, store worker slasher film. That's in a supermarket rather than a mall, but uh -huh. really good, really yeah. fun. That is Chopping Mall, and if you're a fan of Chopping Mall, let us know on social media. We're Horrorcult Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcult Trash on Twitter. I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker on Letterboxd. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm Chris Barker823. What did you say? Chris Barker what? I just said my name. Oh. I just said my I mean, name. Technically, said, you are. I'm Chris Barker. Um... <laughs> I mean, people don't know that by now. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. And give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Someone finally did that. Thank you for the extra rating. Uh, like and follow on everything else. Give us a rating on Spotify. Next week is another double episode week. You're 
truly blessed in October with us. Tuesday. We're having nightmares about our voices. Tuesday, we'll be back with Audition for our final Halloween Classics episode. Oh. And on Friday, we'll be back with a very special Halloween episode of Original vs. Remake with The Blob. Yes. Yes. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, that's it. two that's good films. Original vs. Remake. So we'll be back same time, same place on Tuesday. Bye.